0: How quickly we forget the God who lives in every day, how easy to lose sight that you reside in the mundane, how quickly we forget the power that's running through our veins, the kind of power that empties grace. God, who? Get the voice that's holding back the waves Was once the voice that told the skies to pour them into place Let us join thee in this song of everlasting praise The only God who empties grace Break through these chains. If you word made the mountains, well, it can move them all the same. If death fell before you, and it's still on its face, then the power that raised you is about to move again. If you broke through the oceans, you can break through these chains. If you were made the mountains, well, it'll move them all the same. Death fell before you, and it's still on its face. And the power that raised you is about to move again.
1: Concerning the one that Caitlin just sang about in Luke chapter 1, the angel told Mary, said, You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And we call the son of the highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Aren't you thankful? You know, as we celebrate Christmas, um, it's a part of God's plan as he stepped, God became flesh, stepped into our world. But it's a promise that he is going to set everything right one day. Even though our heart can be made right now, one day this world will be set right. And he is the one we serve, and he is the one that we worship. And as I long for that day. I hope you do too. But we are honored to welcome you here today, especially if you're visiting with us. We would encourage you before you leave, please stop by our guest table in the lobby. We have a guest bag we would love for you to pick up that has information about our ministries. Uh, we also encourage you not to rush off. We would love to meet you. Um, usually our staff's down here at the front. We'd love to introduce ourselves and uh, find out how we can serve you better. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas, but um, uh, we know that there's a lot going around, so we're still not shaking hands, but just take a minute, wave at your neighbor, and uh, greet them to our service, and let's prepare for worship.
2: Sorry about that, I didn't come in my on We have a lot of, I have a lot of names and a lot of situations here. And I'm going to ask as many of you uh, as can to spread out and come this morning as a show of uh, faith and of solidarity to pray for these folks. Number one, we have a praise report. Frankie Tedder, as many of you know, was in uh, really bad shape. He was at Baptist Hospital, had surgery. Uh, he wanted me to thank the church for praying for him. Uh, he wanted me to let you know God is good, and he's so thankful. Frankie was in a very serious situation and God has brought him through he's at home now recovering and I'll tell you in the future how we can help them uh, as a church as well you know how long extended hospital stays can be also Donna Johnson her brother-in-law passed away and his services will be tomorrow so Donna we're praying for you and Pam and everyone else uh, Luke Elder's mom passed away last week as well and Shirley's services will be Tuesday uh, Greg Barr good man his brother James is there in the back uh, he's in ICU he's very sick and the family's asked you to specifically pray for this His respiration is low, and for his oxygen levels to rise. So I'd encourage you to pray for that. He's a very very sick person right now, okay? He's at Baptist Hospital and ICU and really needs your prayers. Um, Sandra Presley, uh, we need to pray for her. She'll be going to Duke uh, the first week of January for 30 days of treatment. She can have no visitors, um, only uh, close family staff can't go. No one can go. A very serious situation. Uh, Sandra would pray for you. You would. She would. She's probably prayed for you anyway. All right, so at this invitation time, I want to ask you to pray for her and also pray for the Roni family. I spent time with uh, Chad and Tanya and Gracie last week, and uh, they need a miracle. I'm just going to be honest with you. So uh, as the praise team leads us in this prayer, if you'll meet me here at the altar, and let's lift them up in prayer, if you would, please.
3: so grateful that you're the great healer. Lord, you see every heart, you know every person that's here. And Father, you know the burdens they carry. But Lord, you said, cast all our care upon you, for you care for us. And Lord, we do that this morning. Lord, we, we, we pray that you would just answer prayer this morning on the behalf of those who've been mentioned, Lord, those who are hurting, Lord, those who are sick, those who've been injured, and Father, we pray that you touch them. And Lord, they need your presence. Lord, only you can do that. We can only do so much as people. But God, you're the great physician. You can do all things. And Father, this morning, we thank you. We trust you for the moment. And Lord, we trust you for the day. Lord, your grace is sufficient. And Lord, your mercies are renewed every morning. You're alive and well. You're risen. Lord, you have the power to raise people up. And Father, this morning we pray that you would do no less. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless this time. May you be worshipped, may you be glorified, may you be honored. And Father, I pray this morning that you would be with those who have lost loved ones this week. I pray you would be the great comforter. You said in your word that you are the God of all comfort. I pray you would comfort people, Lord, that are hurting and sad and broken. And Lord, you are the one who said, "I, I come to heal the brokenhearted. And, Father, I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that you do that. And, Lord, you bring great strength and peace and comfort. And, Father, we worship you for that this morning. And we love you because you first loved us. We thank you that we can celebrate a risen Savior, one who lives within us and walks with us. And, Father, this morning I pray that you would bless this time of worship. And may you be worshiped. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
4: There's never been a moment distance
2: Amen. Thank you, Kayla. Well, the past two weeks, we've talked about the baby in the manger. In the first week, we looked at the fact that the baby in the manger was Christ the Lord. He's God in flesh. As a matter of fact, the angel in Luke uh, chapter 2 said this, To the shepherds, do not be afraid, but for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be, shall be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is God in flesh. You cannot... Make up a Jesus in your own image. You can't do it. And when we talked about how people have this view of Jesus, Jesus, how certain religions have this view of Jesus, which is not biblical. He is God in flesh. And then last week we looked at the fact that he is the Savior of the world. Every person that goes to heaven goes to heaven because of Jesus. Not any other religion. Not any other name. That's the only name given by God by which men can be saved. He is the Savior, our Rescuer. And we talked about how a lot of people in life are hitting bullseyes. I mean, they just are. We looked at that last week. I mean, you're doing well financially, you're doing well as far as your education goes, your health, your family, whatever, but you don't have Jesus. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet loses his own soul? And today's subject we're going to talk about, you're going to find out that all the stuff that you have, Your little kingdom, my little kingdom is going to burn up one day. You're not just going to leave your stuff to somebody else, but it's going to be totally gone one day. And today we're going to talk about this baby in the manger who is God in flesh, who's the Savior of the world, who died and rose again, is coming back. Today I would tell you that he's coming back to judge and to reign on this earth and all the universe for eternity. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, and these verses talk about the return of Christ. If you will, stand with me. And just to put a little context with this now, Peter in chapter 2 had talked about false teachers, and they were basically saying this in, in verses 1 through 7. Well, if Jesus is coming back, why is he not come back? Why is he not come back? I mean, it's been 40 years. Why is he not coming back? And Peter answers that question. And then he tells them he is coming back, and then he tells us what type of people we should be. Notice verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. Now look at me. Don't forget it. These are this is God's word. Do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. God is outside of time. We are not. God, we are immortal. Saved or lost, you're going to live forever. But you have a birth date. God is eternal. He is outside of time. He is not immortal. He is eternal. And that's what Peter's saying. He's telling the false teachers and anybody reading his letter. A thousand years to the Lord is like a day, like, he didn't make it literal, it's like a day, and a day's like, a day. and then he goes on to say this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and I'll share this like this, this illustration, I got saved on October 30th, 1990, I'm glad Jesus didn't come on October 29th, Amen? You can pray for the Lord's return all you want, and, I, and and we should, but I'd rather you pray for a lost person to be saved. That's why God is waiting. That's what Peter's saying. The reason God is not waiting, even for you lost uh, false teachers, I pray you get your heart right. Now let's read that again. It's a wonderful verse, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning, notice, his promise. That means there's a declaration made by God that's going to happen, but it hadn't happened yet. It's going to happen. Peter says he's coming back. He's not slacking his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, now look at that, but the day of the Lord, not the rapture, not the thousand-year reign, but the end of all time, the day of the Lord, Isaiah called it that day, will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up therefore since all these things will be dissolved what manner of persons ought you be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Let's pray together. Father we thank you for your word We thank you for your promise. And Father, as born-again Christians who have a Bible, help us to be mature in who Jesus is. I have no right to just make up Jesus and turn him into something the Bible never says that he is. Jesus was virgin-born, lived a perfect life, fully God, fully man, died for my sin and the sin of the world, and bore God's wrath on the cross was placed in a borrowed tomb and was resurrected the third day. If there's anyone here in our in this auditorium or anyone watching online, if they've never placed their faith and trust in that Jesus, Lord, let them know how lost they are. And Lord, as born again Christians, that's the Jesus we present. He's not a moral, just a good example, even though he was, or just a good teacher. No, he's God in flesh. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings to the glory of God one day. There's going to be a coronation one day of the real biblical Jesus. And Father, I pray that as your children, Lord, that's who we present to a lost and dying world. Because that's the Jesus that there's, that's the only hope that we have. Father, if there's anyone here today that's lost, I pray that you'd save for your honor and for your glory because there is going to be a day of judgment. Then, Lord, those of us who are saved, Lord, it's so easy for me even to be selfish with my time, my talent, my treasure, but, Lord, now is not the time for that. Lord, you may come by the time this service is over. You may not come for another 3,000 years. But, Lord, you've called us to look and hasten the day to live with holy conduct and use the gifts that you've given us and share the gospel until that day. And Father, encourage us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. When you think about uh, the Lord's return in the New Testament, listen to this. One verse in 25 deals with the Lord's return. It is mentioned 318 times in the 260 chapters of the New Testament. It is mentioned in every one of the New Testament books, with the exception of Galatians, which deals with a particular doctrinal problem in the very short books of 2nd and 3rd John and 1st John mentions it over and over again in Philemon which is talking about a slave Jesus repeatedly mentioned his own return on the night before his crucifixion he promised the anxious disciples in a very familiar passage of scripture in John 14 he says do not let your hearts be troubled you believe in God believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you and if I go to prepare a place for you I'll come again I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. When the disciples watched the risen Jesus ascend bodily into heaven with two angels, they appeared and they said this in Acts 1.11, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has, taken, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come just the same way as you've watched him go into heaven, meaning he will return bodily one day. So as we think about this passage of Scripture and the fact that this baby in the manger who rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father who's worshipped by the angels now and the elders and your loved ones, all right, in Revelation 4 and 5, he is coming back again. Revelation 19, Revelation 20, to set up his kingdom, Revelation 21. But in the meantime, think about these three things. The first one is this, God is patient. Notice the verse on the screen. But beloved, do not forget this one thing. One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. Think about this. John MacArthur put it this way. Peter said the delay is not a delay of indifference. It's not a delay of impotence, which means God can do it. It's not a delay of distraction. It's a delay of patience. God, if He is waiting, is waiting because of His patience. His patience makes Him wait. Because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That word perish is the same one John used in John 3:16. Whoever believes in him will not perish. Meaning those that don't believe will perish. That means that you will spend eternity uh, being what you have not designed, God did not design or want you to be. Okay? It's like your life is a waste. God's apparent delay is not due to any failure on his part. Peter says very specifically, basically, he is long-suffering toward you. Piper put it this way, think about his patience. He endures very patiently innumerable adulteries, murders, lies, fornications, thefts, deceptions, endless violations of his law. He endures blasphemies all over the world against his name, debaucheries, defiance, challenges to his sovereign will. Why? because he wants people to repent the illustration he uses in verses 1 through 7 is the flood it says don't forget about the flood Noah preached for about hundred twenty years and this is what he said it's gonna rain it had never rained he says it's gonna rain he kept preaching it's gonna rain while he's building a boat and he says it's really gonna rain then he preached this it's gonna flood I'm building an ark the animals are coming into the ark Get on the ark. Why? Because God said this in Genesis 6. Every thought and intent of the people who God had made, their heart was on evil continually. And that word evil is not like our word evil. Grotesque, perverse, debauchery. Continually. And God says, I'm sorry I made these people. And then God said this. My spirit's not always going to strive with these people. I'm going to start all over. Because you have free free will, right? And you choose what you want to do. Every day you're making a choice. When you leave here today, you're going to make a choice to either follow Christ or not. And you'll be accountable for your choice. You can't make excuses and blame your parents or anybody else. It's your choice. All right? It's your choice. God was sorry he made man. It was that bad, a very bad culture. God said, I'll start over with whoever trusted me. Now think about this. Think about the logic back then. Peter preached and said, Get on this boat, there's one door. There's one way to survive, one way. There's a door, there's a boat, and you're placing your faith in God by getting on this ark. And if you don't, you're going to die. And the Bible says this. Then it started to rain. Listen, in the 600th year of Noah's life, listen to how God dates this. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on listen to these two terms that day, you're gonna hear that again, that day all the fountains of the great deep underneath the earth were broken up. Where'd the mountains come from? I wonder. They were broken up. All the water in the earth came up. How could it flood the earth? All the waters that were broken up. And the rain that came out and the windows of heaven were open, and rain was on the earth forty days and forty nights. Wonder how you get seashells on top of a mountain. I wonder. Isn't it amazing how that can happen? on the very same day Noah and Noah's sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark and the Lord shut the door. The Lord closed the door which meant this end of chances. Noah preached between 100 a 120 years while building an ark and said there's only one way to survive this you have to humble yourself place your trust in a God you don't see and get on this boat. The animals did and the people didn't. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And then it started to rain. And Peter says to the false teachers, you remember that? We have history of that. You can look at the earth and see how it's changed. People aren't living as long as they used to. Peter could say all those things. Because everything's changed with the flood, right? Okay, But you're trying to tell me Jesus is not coming back? God is patient just like he was then. The Lord closed the door. Now, notice at the top that word day. I like how one scholar put it. He says, Man sees time against time. A day is as a thousand years. But God sees time against eternity. God is above and outside of time. For his timeline has no beginning or end compared to man's, which now lasts some 70 years plus or minus. Okay. Before the flood, people lived to be seven, eight hundred years old. Totally different climate. Now we die early, don't we? God is not bound or limited by time as man. Time is determined by the relation of the sun to the earth. God is not limited by this relationship. That's why God said, here's how time began. In the beginning, Genesis 1, then time began. It's the first tick of the clock of time which has been ticking ever since. Warren Wiersbe said this, not only were they the markers, and you can read that in 2 Peter 3, 5, Ignorant of what God had done in the past, that's why Peter talked about the flood. They were also ignorant of what God is like. Sounds like Alexander County a little bit, doesn't it? And America in general. He said this, they were making up a God in their own image. Kind of like the people at the cross. If you're God, come down off the cross. I want God's intention. You you do not give God orders. You can't do that. And that's what these people were doing as well. And ignoring the fact that God is eternal. This means that he has neither beginning nor end. Man is immortal. He has a beginning, but not an ending. Mankind will live forever either in heaven or hell, but God is eternal without beginning or ending. And he dwells in eternity. Eternity is not just extended time. Rather, it is existence above and apart from time. Since a thousand years are his one day, we cannot accuse him of a delayed fulfillment of his promises. In God's sight, the whole universe is only a few, few days old, or a few years old. Christ returns. Christ's return seems delayed because God's perspective on time is radically different than our perspective. A day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. That's what he's trying to tell the false pre- pre- people of his day and also us today. Stephen Cole put it this way. All of time is equally present with God. He sees the past, the present, and the future with equal vividness. How can you write the book of Revelation? Well, God's already there. God's outside of time. That's why you should trust in a sovereign God for your today, your yesterday, and your tomorrow. Because he's outside of that. He sees the past, the present, and the future with equal vividness. It's about God's transcendence. We remember a very few things from our past, but forget a lot, don't we? We remember very few things about our past. We forget a lot. We're limited by our finite perspective on perceiving the present whereas God can see everything happening everywhere all at once. He says, but as interesting as that speculation can be, Peter does not say that a thousand years equals one day, but rather are like one day. In other words, he's making an analogy, not a literal equation. Most of us can't conceive of what a world was like a thousand years ago, but that was like yesterday to God. God, Everything's on God's timetable. Even Jesus' birth, Paul said this to the church at Galatia, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. The perfect time for Jesus to be born was when He was born. Peter is applying this truth to us all as we wait for the return of Christ when He would judge the wicked and reign in righteousness. What is He patient for? Look at this. God is not, but God is long-suffering, patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, look at that last word, repentance. The Greek word means to change your mind is basically what it means when Jesus shared about the wheat and tares he said they both look just the same don't don't pull them up who are you to pull up the wheat and the tares you don't know who the wheat is who the tares is but at the end of the age when the harvest comes God will and the tares will go into the fire and the wheat will go into my barn what was the difference repentance when he talks about the parable of the dragnet when God sends out his eternal dragnet and he used the analogy of fish which everybody could understand and brings all the fish to the shore. He gives this illustration. Jesus says the angels are going to sit down and separate the saved from the lost. And they're perfect in their examinations. What's the difference between them? Repentance. He talks about sheep and goats, doesn't he? To the sheep, you go to my right hand. To the goats, you go to my left hand. Where goats belong. I've had goats, all right? What's the difference between the two? He talked about where you're feeding the poor, you're doing this well. It's a picture of a person converted. Repentance. Jesus' very first sermon that that we know of, he talked about repentance. Jesus said this in Luke 24 after his resurrection. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. See, Christ's return is delayed because the Lord is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all you must come to repentance. And the first sin you repent of is trusting in yourself or some other means of salvation. When you say I repent, when, when I was 20, of course I tried my best to repent of sins, but how many sins can you repent of? I forgot them all, right? Most of them. The sin that I was going to hell for was rejecting Christ. That's what I repented of. And I said I repent of my sin as best I can. I place all my faith and trust in Jesus. One scholar put it this way, from the New Testament uses... It is clear that the Greek word for repentance means much more than merely a change of one's mind, but also includes a complete change of heart, attitude, interest, and direction. The word is a conversion in every sense of the word. Jesus' teaching would support this conclusion. For our Lord declared this, I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, same Greek word, than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. When Jesus began his ministry in Galilee, he said this, Repent, that's a present imperative, which means make this your habitual practice, this to be your lifestyle, repent, before, before the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What Peter is saying is that the patience of God will lead many to repentance if we share our faith. That's why Paul wrote to the church at Rome and he said this, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. There is a point, though, at which his mercy, grace, compassion, forbearance, and patience ends. So the first thing is this. God is patient, and we should all be thankful for that. The second thing that he mentions is this. Jesus is coming back. Notice the verse on the screen. Peter says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Look at this. But the day of the Lord will come. But introduces a dramatic contrast with the previous passage that spoke of God's holding back his hand of judgment. Now the word but is day de, D-E in the Greek, means there's a contrast now. God is coming back, the day of the Lord. Reginald Showers said this, The day of the Lord refers to God's special interventions in the course of world events to judge his enemies, accomplish his purpose for history, and thereby demonstrate who he is, as the sovereign God of the universe. The day of the Lord is so unique and significant that it is also referred to as that day in the Old Testament. Sometimes the Jews would just say it's that day. Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah 12, verse 11. The proud look of man will be abased, and the loftiness of man will be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. When Noah talked about the flood, and whenever Moses recorded it in Genesis 6, he said that day it started to rain. That day. Verse 12 says, For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning. Verse 17, Isaiah says, And the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of men will be abased, for the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. It's coming. The day of the Lord in the Old Testament, the prophecy of Isaiah thirteen nine and 11 says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Those who don't repent. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Sounds just like Second Peter 3, if you study it. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine, and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. Paul put it this way in First Thessalonians 5, For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. I want you to understand, Peter and Paul did not sit in a room and write the Bible. They're on different parts of the world when they wrote this. Peter said, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. Paul says, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. And I will tell you, the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. And what the day of the Lord does is God says, I'm going to judge. First thing he's going to judge is the earth. Notice, the heavens and the earth will pass away and they will with a great noise. Look at those words, great noise. One of the words, <coughs> this is one of the words that sounds like its meaning. It means a whistling with a whistling or a crackling sound of objects being consumed by flames and the noise will be absolutely deafening. Have you ever had a uh, fire pit? Crackle, whistling, whistling. That's what that word means throughout the whole universe. Then you notice the word the elements will melt. Notice what this means. It comes from the Greek word stokia. It literally means things in a row. Isn't it amazing how our universe is so ordered? Things in a row. Things mathematically lining up. It's amazing. Things in a row, like letters in a row or numbers in a row, basic things applied to the material world. It means the elements, the basic elements that make up the chemical composure of the universe, the atoms, the neutrons, the protons, the electrons, they're going to be dissolved in order. The heavens, the atmosphere, this is not where God is now, but it's the atmosphere, is going to be burned up and purged. Just as it was purged in Noah's day, it will be purged again in the day of the Lord. Everything will be new ready for the groom Revelation 21 John says I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away passed away and they passed away here in verse 10 Romans 8 says this yet we all yet what we all suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later then he talks about creation And I preached on this last summer. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day, that day, when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Creation didn't ask for Adam and Eve to mess it up for everybody. The world, in a sense, was perfect. Then Adam and Eve sinned, and the world became cursed, along with everything else. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And Peter speaks about that in verse 10. One scholar says, please note this, the day of the Lord is not the result of any natural process. It is not the result of any natural calamity. It is not the result of some nations using nuclear weapons. It is not the result of any man or of any natural event or any natural cataclysm, it's not the result of your SUV, you all okay, or your iPhone, it's not the result of that. It is a divine judgment by Almighty God through the power of Christ to Him. He has committed the judgment. It is the work of God. So when that day comes, all right, when that day comes, God is going to judge the earth. It's all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus talked about this. All of His uh, uh, disciples talked about this and I need to tell you this we need to value and invest in things that will not burn lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and dust and thieves cannot break in I'm as guilty as anybody of building my kingdom down here just it's going to be burned not only that God's going to judge the earth but he's going to judge the lost they will face judgment when we are we in eternity I like what one pastor said talking about the lost in fact that God is patient toward the lost ok God was patient that's the reason you're saved. when we are in eternity we will not look back on history of the planet earth and applaud Da Vinci for his paintings or Einstein for his brilliance or Edgar Adam Poe for his con- contribution to literature or Bill Gates for Microsoft or Steve Jobs for Apple and the iPhone or Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods for giving us something to do on Sundays or the astronauts for walking on the moon or Gandhi for his very noble stand but we will applaud the people who evangelize and that will be all that matters because scripture said this Jude four, the Lord's brother says this he will appoint the wicked for the day of judgment even ungodly men who are foreordained to this condemnation you have a really small window of time to share the gospel and I would encourage you to do that not only will Jesus judge the earth not only will he judge the lost That he will judge the church. Which leads me to the third point and the final point. Be ready when Jesus comes. Notice this verse. This should be a challenge to us all. Therefore, he says, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you be? It's personal. What manner of persons should I be? Jesus is coming back. At any time. Thankfully, he's been waiting. That word, what sort of people, comes from a very unique Greek term it does not actually ask a question at all, it marks an exclamation of astonishment and this is what Peter's saying, how astoundingly how astoundingly excellent you ought to be that's what he's saying if we really believe this and Jesus is going to judge the church one day, he's going to judge us not for our sins but for our uh, what we do it's like one scholar put it, if Jesus is coming to re- reward you if Jesus is coming to take you to be with himself if Jesus is going to build for you a new heaven and a new earth if Jesus is going to deliver you from judgment and to usher into the great eternal day of God if Jesus is coming to take you into the kingdom of eternal righteousness that ought to impact your life in other words if you have been made for that created for that redeemed for that sanctified for that then you ought to begin to live in light of that and then he says this that you ought to be holy and kind of, look at that word holy Think about the Old Testament term holy where God tells us in Leviticus, be holy for I am holy, and Peter repeats that in 1 Peter. The nation of Israel goes through the wilderness and God gives them laws. Many symbolic, some moral that they carry to this day, and we do too. The moral law stands, the ceremonial law, dietary laws, uh, all those laws don't stand, the moral law still stands today. Okay? That's where people really mess up on the Old Testament and the New Testament. But God's telling the children of Israel through, through the Leviticus, excuse me, He says, the other nations have gods that are made of wood and made of stone. You're not to make an image of me because you're my image. When the Canaanites look at you, they're going to see God because of your conduct. When the Philistines look at you, you're going to see God. When you look at a Canaanite, he acts like he does because he acts like his God. You're to be holy. You're not to carry around a flag with my picture on it. You're to be the picture. That's what that means. That's what Peter's saying here again. You ought to be holy in conduct in Godliness, pointing people to Jesus with your life. Tommy Nelson said this one time if a man meets a woman who is holy, he will abandon everything to try to win her love, and he would give his life life's wealth for her, and he would die for her. Not because she looks like a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader and he lives in Dallas, but because her character is holy. You are blessed if you meet and come to know a few holy people before you die. Holiness at first looks offensive and legalistic, but when you really examine it, it is really freeing and beautiful. And then he says, "This be found by him." What manner of persons ought you to be dissolved? He goes on to say in this chapter, "Be found by him," and that's a quite an interesting comment. When the Lord Jesus comes, you will be found personally by him. By him, and if you're lost, notice this picture. Uh, this quote by Mark Dever, he makes the statement, the day is coming when it's not presents that will be opened, but books. When Jesus comes back, if you're lost, the only thing that will be opened are books on that day, and you'll stand before the Lamb of God. But as Christians, I want you to notice this verse, because Peter tells us, if you'll go to the next verse Michael, because Peter tells us to be looking forward, hastening the day. Now notice, he says, and now little children, this is John, after he's been on the Isle of Patmos, he's in his nineties if you read first second third John he's there's no gray area with John it's black or white he said if you continue living sin you're lost So you're not saved You're lost." That's John telling us that okay he said these are ten ways to know that you're saved and he gives them to us if you do this if you do this if you have a desire for this you're saved notice what he says about Jesus come back and now little children abide in him that when he appears he's talking about the church we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming Peter says, as, as God's children, we should be looking, looking for and hastening the day for Jesus to come back. That means you're eager for it. I know a man who's in his 90s, and he has memorized Revelation 21 for his family. Just to let him know, I'm looking for that day. Either by death or by Jesus coming back, I'm ready for that day. He's looking for and hastening that day. When I was in the Philippines, which was the first overseas mission trip, I went on, I think it was 10 days maybe you know what I was looking for the plane ride home because I was so homesick I was hastening that day even though it was a wonderful experience the Philippines was not my home 648 Shook Lane is my home for now right and ultimately 648 Shook Lane is not my home but being with Jesus is my home hastening the day and what John said is this when Jesus comes back there's gonna be two responses made by us born again people either extreme confidence And what that word means is this, come on. Jesus, come on, I'm ready. See, the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. Come on, I'm ready, I'm ready. Or, will not be ashamed. Look at that word, ashamed. Everything that deals with our salvation is legal terms. This is a legal term. In the Greek, it's a legal term, and I love how one scholar put it. He put it this way, and it really makes me think, he says, Raymond Brown offers an interesting explanation. He said, the passive, This passive word reflects a legal situation where one is disgraced. He is not warning about losing one's salvation or being declared unregenerate by Christ at his appearing. Rather, he is describing the emotional response of a believer will have, when brought before Christ at his appearing, every believer, including John, will have one of two responses to Jesus when they stand in his presence for the first time the believer will either be comfortable in his presence or will be looking for somewhere to hide in humiliation friends let me ask you a question are you ready to meet Jesus because he's coming on his own timetable I'm gonna ask our musicians to come and I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes and I would say this to you today in the quietness of this moment if you never placed your faith and trust in Christ today is a day of salvation repent of trusting in yourself in some other false religion, and place your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ today. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then, as a Christian, are you ready to meet Jesus? Are you ready? Are you confident, or would you be ashamed? Repentance is not just for the lost, it's for the church. And if you need to repent today, that's between you and God. You don't got to tell me. You don't got to tell your spouse. That's, That's between you and the Lord. You don't have to tell your mom or dad or your best friend. Make a commitment today before we go into 2022 and say, Jesus, these are the things in my life that I'm ashamed of. We're all human, people. I'm human. We live in a fallen world. Repentance says, this day I stopped. I stop this this day. I stop it. Jesus, help me to stop. Jesus, I know this is sin. And as a Christian, I should not be involved in this. And if you came back today, I would be ashamed. And Jesus, help me on this day to stop. This could make 2022 a wonderful year for you in your spiritual walk with God. I don't know how your health's going to be or how your finances are going to be, But I know spiritually speaking, you can have a walk with the Lord that you've never had before if you repent of things that would make you ashamed if you were standing in His presence now. And we all got things to repent of. Take this moment and confess that to the Lord. Jesus, as we come to you in prayer, I'm so thankful, Lord, that as Peter said, you made a promise. And it's going to happen, that you're coming back. Lord, as the church... We should share the good news of Jesus Christ and speak the truth in love. We should do all we can with our time and our resources to help those that are in need. Whether they're saved or lost, it does not matter. Lord, we should use our talents, our time, and our treasure to bring honor and glory to your name and to uh, expand your kingdom. And Father, we as individuals, personally, should be a repenting people. We don't have to confess our sins to a priest or a preacher. Why would we when we have a great high priest? And Lord, help us to be confident in your appearing, not ashamed. Father, my prayer is today for the lost. Holy Spirit, only you can open blinded eyes or raise the spiritually dead. So Father, we pray that you'd save for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people sit together, amen. Will you stand with us and Sharon is going to lead us in a song and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you so much for being here today.